Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 189. Today's big Bible question, what type of person does God look favorably at? So, hello, happy July 4th to you, friends. So far, our plans, my family's plans for the 4th, have been, well, dashed to pieces by the coronavirus, but we're still going to have a great family cookout, Lord willing, play some beanbag toss and Hopefully have a wonderful day. For the evening, we get to go to a neighbor's house just up the street to socially distance watch some safe and sane fireworks. Now, for our non-California listeners, safe and sound sane fireworks are not really what you think of when you think of fireworks. Back in Alabama, where I come from, we would launch mortars, guided missiles, bunker busters, tactical nuclear warheads, fuel air bombs, depth charges, scuds, and laser-guided bombs shaking the city with up to 10 megaton atomic blasts. Well, in California, you just can't do that because our state only gets about one millimeter of rain between May and November in total, and one tiny spark could basically set our whole state on fire. So this means no chasers, no bottle rockets, or anything stronger than a bottle rocket, no firecrackers, no things you can shoot in the sky, no things that run on the ground, no sparklers longer than 10 inches, no mortars, no Roman candles, and, at least according to the law, no torpedoes. Now, I'm honestly okay with the torpedo part of that law. Even in Alabama, we didn't really shoot off torpedoes. And honestly, I don't think torpedoes should be in the hands of civilians, right? Now, our city, uh, Salinas, is eight miles from the ocean. I sort of doubt we would really take out a boat or a submarine or whatever if we were shooting off sub, uh, if we were shooting off uh, torpedoes, but you never know. So I'm in agreement with that one. Struggle with a little bit of the others, but you know what? We're going to follow the law and we're not going to do anything crazy. But I got to tell you, uh, already for the last couple of weeks, man, people have been throwing up those illegal fireworks all over the city. And every time you hear a couple of explosions, you'll hear a police siren just, you know, a few seconds afterwards. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty rough stuff. Our city has a group called Neighbors Against Illegal Fireworks or something like that. And I'm pretty sure that the neighbors there are actually just the firefighters. But you know what? I'm okay with that. I support our brave fire rescue men. And uh, if you go to the blog, BibleReadingPodcast.com, you can see one of their awesome anti-fireworks propaganda posters that they post all around our city. The one I've posted says, High 4 for illegal fireworks. And it has a lovely picture of a hand with a finger missing. (laughs) And uh, it's not that graphic. It's, you know, just one big old yellow hand. Anyway, happy fourth to you. Don't blow any fingers off, please. That hurts. Today's Bible reading will mark the second straight day that we've deviated from Robert Murray McShane's reading plan, and I'm glad he doesn't have the police after me, but we'll be back on track by Monday because, you know, spoiler alert, we're going to deviate tomorrow too. We are going to go ahead and read Joshua chapter 7 today, and that'll give us one less chapter to read on Sunday. Uh, We're also going to read Psalms 135 and 136, Isaiah 66, which is the last chapter in Isaiah, and Matthew chapter 14. Our focus passage for the day is Isaiah 66, and verse 2 says this awesome thing where God says, These are the ones I look on with favor. 
those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. God looks with favor on those who are humble, contrite, and tremble at what his word says. Now, contrite is not a very common English word, so just FYI, if you're wondering, to be contrite is to be sorrowful at one's sins or shortcomings. That's the kind of person that God looks with favor on, not the confident, not the proud, not those who believe that they've got it all together, not those who never look back and have no regrets, not those who are never shook by anything, but the humble one who grieves over his or her sin and those who tremble in genuine fear at the word of God. So let's go read Isaiah 66 and see what else is in the chapter. Isaiah 66 verse 1. This is what the Lord says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where could you possibly build a house for me? And where would my resting place be? My hand made all these things and so they all came into being. This is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who is humble, submissive in spirit and trembles at my work, my word. One person slaughters an ox, another kills a person. One person sacrifices a lamb, another breaks a dog's neck. One person offers a grain offering, another offers pig's blood. One person offers incense, another praises an idol. All these have chosen their ways and delight in their abhorrent practices. So I will choose their punishment, and I will bring on them what they dread, because I called and no one answered. I spoke and they did not listen. They did what was evil in my sight and chose what I did not delight in. You who tremble at his word, hear the word of the Lord. Your brothers who hate and exclude you for my namesake have said, Let the Lord be glorified so that we can see your joy. But they will be put to shame. A sound of uproar from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord, paying back his enemies what they deserve. Before Zion was in labor, she gave birth. Before she was in pain, she delivered a boy. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day or a nation be delivered in an instant? Yet as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her sons. Will I bring a baby to the point of birth and not deliver it, says the Lord? Or will I who deliver close the womb, says your God? Be glad for Jerusalem and rejoice over her, all who love her, because greatly rejoice greatly with her, all who mourn over her, so that you may nurse and be satisfied from her comforting breast and drink deeply and delight yourselves from her glorious breasts. For this is what the Lord says, I will make peace flow to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flood. You will nurse and be carried on her hip and bounced on her lap. As a mother comforts her son, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. You will see, you will rejoice and you will flourish like grass. Then the Lord's power will be revealed to his servants, but he will show his wrath against his enemies. Look, the Lord will come with fire. His chariots are like the whirlwind to execute his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment on all humanity with his fiery sword and many will be slain by the Lord. Those who dedicate and purify themselves to enter the groves following their leader, eating meat from pigs, vermins, and rats, will perish together. This is the Lord's declaration. Knowing their works and their thoughts, I have come to gather all nations and languages. They will come and see my glory. I will establish a sign among them, and I will send survivors from them to the nations, to Tarshish, Put, Lud, who are archers, Tubal, Javan, and the coasts and islands far away, who have not heard about me or seen my glory. 
and they will proclaim my glory among the nations. They will bring all your brothers from all the nations as a gift to the Lord on horses and chariots, in litters and on mules and camels to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the Israelites bring an offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, I will also take some of them as priests and Levites, says the Lord. For just as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make will remain before me, this is the Lord's declaration. So your offspring and your name will remain. All humanity will come to worship me from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, says the Lord. As they leave, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me, for their worm will never die, their fire will never go out, and they will be a horror to all humanity. So, back to the very beginning of the passage. God looks with favor on those who tremble at his word, those who are humble and lowly, and those who are contrite. They have a contrite spirit. In other words, they're quick to repent because they're sorrowful when they don't follow God's word. So I want to share with you a few powerful quotes from a few mighty men of God on having a contrite spirit, starting with friend of the podcast, Charles Spurgeon, who says, stoop low if you would climb to heaven. Do we not say of Jesus, he descended down that he might ascend? So must you. You must grow downwards that you may grow upwards. For the sweetest fellowship with heaven is to be had by humble souls and by them alone. God will deny no blessing to a thoroughly humbled spirit. Humility makes us ready to be blessed by the God of all grace and fits us to deal efficiently with our fellow men. Whether it be prayer or praise, whether it be work or suffering, the genuine salt of humility cannot be used in excess. Jonathan Edwards, next up, he says, Gracious affections, as was observed before, flow out of a contrite heart, or, as the word really means, a bruised heart, bruised and broken with godly sorrow, which makes the heart tender, just like bruised flesh is tender and easily hurt. Godly sorrow has much greater influence to make our heart tender than mere legal sorrow from selfish principles. In other words, Edwards is telling us that God prizes in us a heart that is easily bruised when we sin so that we will realize it, feel the sting of it, and quickly turn back to God. John Piper says, This is foundational to everything. Being a Christian means being broken and contrite. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you get beyond this in this life. It marks the life of God's happy children till they die. We are broken and contrite all the way home, unless sin gets the proud upper hand. Being broken and contrite is not against joy and praise and witness. It is the absolute flavor of Christian joy and praise and witness. Piper also says, Therefore, let every one of you pray to God while he may be found, because the contrite, unmule-like heart which praise is forgiven, protected, counseled, and made ever more glad in an intimate fellowship with the Lord. Martin Luther writes, The disciples are gathered together in seclusion. They are afraid of the Jews and in danger of their lives. They are fearful and faint-hearted and afraid of sin and death. Had they been strong and courageous, they would not have thus crept into a corner. Later, when the Holy Spirit came, strengthened and comforted them, they were made so courageous that they stepped forth and preached publicly without fear. This passage is written for us that we might learn that the gospel of Christ's resurrection 
comforts the faint-hearted. They are the poor, conscience-stricken ones whose sins lie heavily upon them, who feel faint at heart, feel like they are dying, and well-nigh startled by the sound of a rustling leaf. To these contrite, poor, and needy souls, the gospel offers comfort, and to them it is a sweet savor or a sweet taste. Richard Baxter, the great Puritan writer and preacher, says, Though you think that Christ will not come to one such as you, and though you beg prayers of others, thinking he will not hear your prayers, you little think how this self-abasement and self-denial prepares you for his tenderest mercies and his esteem. When you are contrite as the dust that is trod under your feet and poor and trembles at the word of God, then he will look at you with compassion and respect. Amen. By the way, when I read quotes from people, sometimes Spurgeon, but especially like the Martin Luthers, the Richard Baxters, and some of our older saints, I often on the fly edit out the these and nows in the archaic language to some degree, uh, and updated a little bit. I hope that's not offensive to anybody. Um, sometimes I try to say that I'm doing that, but just to let you know, there's a lot of these and nows in what I just read, but I modernized a little, it a little bit. I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that, considering that the these and nows in Richard Baxter's day was just kind of how they talked. It's not how we talk today, so it adds that extra barrier of uh, listening comprehension to us. One more, Tim Keller who does not use thee and now very often. Keller says, Isaiah 57.15 notes, Thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. There it is, says Keller. There are two places where God's power dwells, in the highest of highest heaven and in the heart of a humble person. Do you know why this is true? Because God's salvation was achieved by humbling and it's received by humbling. That's so good. I'm going to read it again. Because God's salvation was achieved by humbling and it is received by humbling. What do I mean by achieved? Well, Jesus, how does God's salvation come into the world? First of all, he was humbled at his birth. The Lord of the universe became a little baby who could only wiggle and need to be nursed and had to be changed. God had to be changed. If you trust and believe what the Bible says about the virgin birth, there was a time in which the Lord of the universe was a single cell, utterly humbled. Not only was he humbled in his birth, he was humbled in his life. As we said, Jesus did not come as a general or a philosopher or a political leader. Instead, he was a humble carpenter. He was a wandering preacher. He said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But most of all, Jesus was humbled at his death. He had no power at his death. He lost all power at his death. He lost all honor. He was crucified outside the gate. He didn't come with a sword in his hand. He came with nails in his wrists. And yet, look, he triumphed through defeat. He got ultimate power through giving his power away. He became incredibly rich by becoming utterly poor. How so? Through the humbling came power real power. What is probably the greatest power, the most inexorable power, the most unstoppable power in the world today? Well, you're probably thinking of a lot of things, says Keller, but I'll tell you what it is. It's death. You can't stop death. 
but Jesus did. Do you realize by humbling himself, becoming a cell, becoming a baby, becoming a servant, becoming a condemned criminal, tortured, smitten, killed, because he did that in your place and in my place, and because he paid for the sins of the world, now when death comes upon you and pounces on you, do you know all it can do? All it can do now is make you better. If you believe in Jesus Christ. When death comes upon you, all it can do is make you happier than you were before, more glorious, more wonderful. That is an utter defeat of death. How did Jesus do it? Through humbling. How did salvation happen? Through humbling. Therefore, how does heaven open into your life? How does salvation come into your life? How do the angels of God, how does the power and glory of God come into your life? only through humbling. That's how salvation was achieved, and that's how it's received. How so? First of all, heaven will not open to you unless you humble yourself before God and admit you're a sinner. Are you willing to admit you're morally and spiritually bankrupt, and even the good things you've done and do are there to a great degree to keep control of your life rather than having to give it over to God to justify yourself, to feel good about yourself, feel better than other people? Have you looked into your heart far enough to see that you're a sinner? Have you humbled yourself before God? If not, heaven will not open to you. That's what the message of Christmas is, the coming of Jesus is. Secondly, you not only have to humble yourself before God, you actually have to humble yourself before other people. When Joseph heard from Mary that she was pregnant and when he believed her, he loved her and believed what she told him was the reason. He knew if he married her, he would kiss his reputation goodbye for the rest of his life. Or, to put it another way, the only way for Joseph to get Jesus into his life was to kiss his good reputation goodbye. Which, by the way, in a shame and honor culture like first century Israel was really, really bad. The fact of the matter is, if you want to identify with Jesus Christ, you may not become a laughingstock. You may not lose your reputation. You may not be passed over for a promotion. You may not be shunned by people. You may not. But if you want to identify with Jesus Christ, you have to be willing for all that to happen. If you're not willing for that to happen, if you're not willing to be humbled, before other people, heaven will not open to you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tim Keller. Friends, look to Jesus. Humble yourself and look to Jesus, crying out to him for salvation. Let us keep reading in Joshua chapter 7. Defeat at Ai. The Israelites, however, were unfaithful regarding the things set apart for destruction. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, Son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took some of what was set apart, and the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites. Joshua sent men from Jacob, Jericho, to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, outside of Bethel, and told them, Go up and scout the land. So the men went up and scouted Ai. After returning to Joshua, they reported to him, Don't send all the people. Send about 2,000 or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since the people of Ai are so few, don't wear out all the people there. So about 3,000 men went up there, but they fled from the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 of them and chased them from outside the city gate to the quarry, striking them down on the descent. As a result, the people lost heart. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening, as did the elders of Israel. They all put dust on their heads. 
Oh, Lord God, Joshua said, why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand us over to the Amorites for our destruction? If only we had been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan. What can I say, Lord, now that Israel has turned its back and run from its enemies? When the Canaanites and all who live in the land hear about this, they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. Then what will you do about your great name? The Lord then said to Joshua, stand up. Why have you fallen face down? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant that I appointed for them. They have taken some of what was set apart. They have stolen, deceived, and put these things with their own belongings. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They will turn their backs and run from their enemies because they have been set apart for destruction. I will no longer be with you unless you remove from among you what is set apart. Go and consecrate the people. Tell them to consecrate themselves for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are things that are set apart among you, Israel. You will not be able to stand against your enemies until you remove what is set apart. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord selects is to come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord selects is to come forward family by family. The family the Lord selects is to come forward man by man. The one who is caught with the things set apart must be burned along with everything he has because he has violated the Lord's covenant and committed an outrage in Israel. Joshua got up early the next morning. He had Israel come forward tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was selected. He had the clans of Judah come forward, and the Zerahite clan was selected. He had the Zerahite clan come forward by the heads of families, and Zabdi was selected. He then had Zabdi's family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was selected. So Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and make a confession to him. I urge you, tell me what you have done. Don't hide anything from me. Achan replied to Joshua, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I did. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon, five pounds of silver and a bar of gold weighing a pound and a quarter, I coveted them and took them. You can see for yourself, they are concealed in the ground inside my tent with the silver under the cloak. So Joshua sent messengers who ran to the tent, and there was the cloak concealed in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from inside the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and spread them out in the Lord's presence. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan son of Zerah, the silver, the cloak, and the bar of gold, his sons and daughters, his ox, donkey, and sheep, his tent and all that he had, and brought them up to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought us trouble? Today the Lord will bring you trouble. So all Israel stoned them to death. They burned the bodies, threw stones on them, and raised over him a large pile of rocks that still remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, that place is called the Valley of Achor still today. Psalm chapter 135. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, you servants of the Lord who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for it is delightful. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel, as his treasured possession. For I know that the Lord is great. Our Lord is greater than all gods. The Lord does whatever he pleases in heaven and on earth. In the seas and all the depths, he causes the clouds to rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings the wind from his storehouses. 
He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both people and animals. He sent signs and wonders against you, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his officials. He struck down many nations and slaughtered many mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. He gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his people Israel. Lord, your name endures forever, your reputation, Lord, through all generations. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nation are of silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. Indeed, there is no breath in their mouths. Those who make them are just like them, as are all who trust in them. House of Israel, bless the Lord. House of Aaron, bless the Lord. House of Levi, bless the Lord. You who revere the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion. He dwells in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Psalm 136, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. He alone does great wonders. His faithful love endures forever. He made the heavens skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. He spread the land on the waters. His faithful love endures forever. He made the great lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule by day. His faithful love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night. His faithful love endures forever. He struck the firstborn of the Egyptians. His faithful love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them. His faithful love endures forever. With a strong hand and outstretched arm, his faithful love endures forever. He divided the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. And led Israel through. His faithful love endures forever, but hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led his people in the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. He struck down great kings. His faithful love endures forever and slaughtered famous kings. His faithful love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. An inheritance to Israel, his servant, his faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our humiliation. His faithful love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Matthew chapter 14, verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus. This is John the Baptist, he told his servants. He has been raised from the dead, and that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had arrested John, chained him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, since John had been telling him, it's not lawful for you to have her. Though Herod wanted to kill John, he feared the crowd since they regarded John as a prophet. When Herod's birthday celebration came, Herodias' daughter danced before them and pleased Herod, so he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, she answered, Give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. 
Although the king regretted it, he commanded that it be granted because of his oaths and his guests. So he sent orders and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. Then his disciples came, removed the corpse, buried it, and went and reported to Jesus. When Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a large crowd had compassion on them and healed their sick. When the evening came, the disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted and it is already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. But we only have five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. Bring them here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was dissatisfied, was satisfied. They picked up twelve baskets full of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about five thousand men besides women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came towards them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, Command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to shore at Gennesaret. When the men at that place recognized him, they alerted the whole vicinity and brought to him all who were sick. They begged him that they might only touch the end of his robe, and, and as many as touched it were healed. Amen. May we all be healed by the touch of Jesus. May we walk in humility and contriteness of heart. Happy Fourth, friends. God bless you and Godspeed.